Hello and welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, and in this program, we all discover jazz, old and new, together by listening to a wide array of selections, exploring different jazz styles and topics related to jazz, we'll learn more about what it is, what it isn't, how it's developed, and what we can listen for to enhance our experience. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. Today, I'm taking some time to make some new discoveries of jazz from a few different eras. A friend of mine in Peterborough, Ontario, bassist Craig Patterson, likes to send by email to a select group of people some of the music that he discovers online. With my recent move to Victoria, May the 1st, I haven't had much time to listen to them. But for this program, I thought I'd take some time to start listening to some of them again and select a few that seem particularly interesting. Now, everything that Craig posts is good, so it's not a case of only playing the good stuff. I find... Much of it so interesting that I couldn't really get past the month of May, so I'll have to take some time later to listen to Craig's later selections, starting with a Thelonious Monk tune played by Christian McBride and New John from 2016 with Nashit Waits on drums, Marcus Strickland, tenor sax, and Josh Evans trumpet, and of course, Christian McBride on bass. The tune is called Raise Four.
Christian McBride and New John. That tune, Raise Four, was a later Thelonious Monk composition from his 1968 album Underground, recorded just before he virtually stopped writing completely. When I first listened to that recording, I wasn't overly impressed. It sounded like a few people showing off their chops, but taking off from one of the world's most boring and repetitive riffs. But interestingly, by finding the original Thelonious Monk version and really loving it, it helped me to appreciate this very different one that we just heard. I do have a bias towards seeking the most original version possible of a tune, with the occasional exception. What I love about this version of the tune is that total sense of freedom and playfulness that was always so typical of Thelonious Monk. In some ways, he plays piano like I do, except my playing is unintentionally sloppy. His is more spontaneous, and he knows exactly what he's doing. From 1968, with Larry Gale on bass, Charlie Roos on tenor sax, and Ben Riley drums, here is Thelonious Monk with Ray's Four. Thank you. 
What a terrific antidote to those academics who take jazz so seriously. I think that even the fact that Thelonious Monk's piano uh, is somewhat out of tune was uh, intentional and part of that whole uh, throw-it-in-your-face type of mentality. Great. It's called Raise Four, and I love it. If you're interested in hearing more about Thelonious Monk, go into my archives and find episode 8 of Discovering Jazz, where Michael Morse, musicologist and bassist extraordinaire, talks about Thelonious Monk, and we play some of his music. I mentioned that there were sometimes exceptions to going to the earliest version of a piece and letting it inspire me with some of the Broadway tunes that have been reinterpreted by jazz artists the original versions aren't particularly good. And my guess is that most jazz artists who do them have never heard the originals. This next one is one example. It was originally from a 1939 musical called Very Warm for, Very Warm for May and was sung by a quartet. And I'm one of those people who have never heard the original and I couldn't find a recording of it anywhere. The writer, Jerome Kern, was very down on jazz reinterpretations of his tunes, and he's probably turning in his grave every time one of his many great tunes are done by jazz artists. This one has been recorded many times by jazz artists. Here's a bit of a very straight version of it from 1939, the year it was written, with the uh, Tommy Dorsey Orchestra and vocalist Jack Leonard all the things you are. Thank you. 
Most jazz artists who play that tune have been influenced by recordings by some of the jazz masters. And the most famous and influential recording of this one was by alto saxophonist Charlie Parker from 1947. He added an intro that had little to do with the tune and one that is now used by many jazz artists who recorded it. Here's a bit of his version of All the Things You Are. Okay, so since this program is about songs that Peterborough's Craig Patterson has emailed to a bunch of jazz fans, we now get to the recording that he sent us. It's by a contemporary jazz pianist named Brad Meldow, who is idolized by many people in the jazz and classical fields. And he's playing here with bassist Larry Grenadier. And yes, he does use that Charlie Parker intro, even though you don't hear it until later in the piece. In sending this version to us, Craig's header on the email was simply, yikes. <laughs> you listen to it and figure out what you think he may have meant.
Next, something that sounds a little more, should I say, standard. It's a great version of Duke Ellington's It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. And it's by the Tommy Flanagan Trio. And what a trio, as it includes Tony Williams on drums and Ron Carter's bass accompanying Flanagan's piano. Tommy Flanagan received an unfair rap when he was thrown in unrehearsed to a 1960 session with John Coltrane where he introduced Giant Steps, played at a tempo that must have been pretty overwhelming for Flanagan, and many claim that his piano solo on that historic recording is mediocre at best. But Tommy Flanagan has always been an excellent pianist, and here he is as part of the Master Trio from 1983.
Tommy Flanagan with Ron Carter and Tony Williams from 1983. Thanks to Craig Patterson for sending me that recording. Tunes that Craig has sent a group of us jazz aficionados is the theme of this week's episode of Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, and this podcast comes to you thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters and Apple Podcasts. And I'd love it if you would leave a review and a rating on iTunes, as it does make it easier for people to find this podcast. At least, that's what they say. Here's another one Craig sent me, a Miles Davis recording from 1964, with George Coleman on tenor, Herbie Hancock piano, and again, Ron Carter bass and Tony Williams drums. Those two are certainly ubiquitous. Here's a beautiful rendition of Stella by Starlight.
to cut this off, but uh, we're running out of time, and I want to get in one more tune. I always like to ensure that I play at least one Canadian recording on my podcast. These tunes, by the way, are a few of the many that were sent to me, thanks to Craig Patterson in Peterborough. Craig has some pretty amazing taste, and you can hear more from him by going back into the archives of Discovering Jazz to episodes 48 and 49, a jazz fan's format of recordings. Craig posted something by this Toronto drummer because he was slated to play at the Black Horse Pub in Peterborough June 15th, and I wish I could have been there to have caught this group. The drummer is Harry Vitro. He's in his mid-twenties, and he just put out his first album last year. The group is called Harry Vitro's Northern Ranger. It features a number of Canadian players with uh, Vitro's drums out in front and a trumpet solo from Lena Alamano. So here is Buffalo Jump. You've been listening to Discovering Jazz, coming through the courtesy of Peterborough Independent Podcasters and Apple Podcasts. My name's Larry Sademan. Stay tuned next week for something from the archives. Bye for now.